Thank you very much, my dear listener, for choosing our station. This is the New Life Program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. I may present you Samuel Mahangi. Today we'll be having a Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. The story is about Nebuchadnezzar's image. Thereafter, we'll be having Brother Ian Mose talk about obtaining forgiveness during the Bible segment. To start off, here's the song Yesu Unindo by Gracious Singers.
Welcome the Bible in Living Sound to share with us. What do you think of my plan, Your Grace? I think it has definite merit. <laughs> Already King Nebuchadnezzar is forgetting his vow to worship Daniel's God and is returning to his usual allegiance to Baal and the other local Babylonian <laughs> deities. Uh, but do you think he'll see through the plan? Who? Nebuchadnezzar? Mm -hmm. Never. He is too proud and self-exalting even to suspect an ulterior motive behind a plan to further exalt and make famous his name. <laughs> then you're with us, and you'll go with me to see his majesty? I am, and I will, if you will do the talking. <laughs> Gladly. Nebuchadnezzar, great, great king, king and founder, founder of, of mighty, mighty Babylon. Yes, I founded Babylon, and it shall last forever. Indeed it shall, Your Majesty. And that is precisely why the high priest and I have come to confer with thee. Words are meaningless. Just why are you here? O oh, king, thou knowest that thou art great, even as the gods, and we wise men and priests know it. But the people are not sure. They still fear that Daniel spoke truth when he said that Babylon would come to an end. Uh, Daniel did say that, and come to think of it, I don't like it. I am strong and wise. The empire I founded is strong and indestructible. The buildings I have built are beautiful and everlasting. Uh, my kingdom shall have no ending. Exactly, Your Majesty. And the people should be told this. They should be made to realize that thou art the greatest king ever to rule among the kingdoms of men. You come in direct contact with the people, High Priest. Just what do the people think about me and my kingdom? I hesitate to say this, O King, because thou art a powerful king. Just, mighty, kind, thoughtful, wise. But the people... They still remember and ponder the words of Daniel. Babylon shall fall, and another kingdom shall take its place, an inferior nation even as silver is inferior to gold. I must do something to correct the thinking of my people. <clears throat> uh, with His Majesty's permission, I should like to make a suggestion. Permission granted. The image thou sawest in thy dream, O King, was an imposing one. Why not reproduce it in all its splendor? Let the huge image become the national god, a god representing his majesty. The people shall bow down and worship the image, and thus acknowledge the supremacy and never-ending godliness of thee, O king. Mm, I am much pleased with your suggestion, wise man, and it shall be carried out. The image I build shall be like the one I dreamed about, except my image shall be entirely of gold, and the people shall know that Babylon is eternal and that it shall break into pieces all other kingdoms. It shall stand forever. Hail to Nebuchadnezzar, everlasting king of Babylon. Gather together the wise men and counselors and keepers of my treasure house, the chief of my builders, and all the officers of my court. We shall draw up plans for the image and start building it at once. 
You may withdraw. <laughs> Long live Nebuchadnezzar, everlasting king of Babylon. Uh, open the door, guard, that we may depart. For it, I told you he would. <laughs> With his boundless ambition, selfish pride, and enthusiasm, he will build such an image. <laughs> uh, even so, yeah? I fail to see how this will get rid of Daniel and his three friends. There is enough gold in thy treasure house, O king, to build an image of gold to the height of 60 cubits. So shall it be. We have investigated every available and likely place, Your Majesty, and suggest that the image be built in the plain of Dura. It is so ordered. Captain, I charge you with the full responsibility of guarding the gold being transported from my treasure house to the plain of Dura. Also, the image after it is built. Yes, Your Majesty. The image is about finished, Your Grace. About time, don't you think, to make another visit to the king with further um, suggestions? <laughs> the final phase in your scheme to be rid of Daniel and the three worthies? <laughs> the final touch. <laughs> the golden image at Dura is about finished, Your Majesty. So I hear. Until His Majesty sees the image for himself, he can have no idea how imposing it is. The Babylonians have never seen anything nearly as majestic as this resplendent statue. The people accustomed to idol worship will be enthusiastic in their worship of the beautiful and priceless image representing the glory of Babylon and its magnificence and power. Thou art this image of gold, O king. Yes, and in bowing down and worshipping the image, the people will be bowing down and worshipping me. I shall be the newest and most powerful of all the Babylonian gods. <laughs> In keeping with this, may we suggest that His Majesty issue a decree commanding the princes and rulers of all nations and tongues to gather at Dura on a certain day and bow down and worship the golden image? I can see it now. The plain crowded with admiring people. Yeah. At a given signal, everyone shall bow down and worship the image. Me! <laughs> uh, the king will issue such a decree? Immediately. I shall have the scribe write the decree upon a parchment. Then send messengers to all corners of the earth, commanding all princes and rulers to attend the dedication of the image at Dura. <laughs> The appointed day came, and a vast concourse from all nations, people, languages assembled on the plain of Dura. Every man of any importance from all over the earth is here to worship my image. I am great. I am invincible. I am all-powerful. I am God. <laughs> Oh, scribe, is all in readiness? All is ready, Your Majesty. The furnace? It burns furiously, Your Majesty. Ready to receive and consume anyone who dares refuse to bow down and worship thy image. No one has the courage to refuse to obey my command. Start the ceremony. Yes, Your Majesty. Quiet! Quiet! To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages that when you hear the music, ye shall fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. 
So be it. Musicians, give the signal. Wonderful. All the important people of the world bowing to my image, paying me homage. I truly am God. Uh, uh, I beg his majesty's permission to speak. Permission granted. Uh, live forever, great and mighty king and God of all Babylon. Bow thyself to the ground and have done with oh. your speech. <clears throat> oh, king, there are those who bowed not at the blowing of the trumpets. Someone actually refuses to obey my commands? Oh, the truth, your majesty... Three captive slaves from Jerusalem. Captain, seize the three men who refuse to bow down and worship my image. Cast them into the fiery furnace. No, no, bring them hither to me. I would look upon those who dare disobey me. All eyes of that great throng of people watched as soldiers slowly made their way to where three captives from Jerusalem... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood. The soldiers seized the three and dragged them back and cast them roughly at the foot of the throne upon which sat the mighty and angry Nebuchadnezzar. Suddenly, a strange silence hung over the multitude as each ear strained to hear every word spoken by their king and to watch three young men cast into the fiery furnace. The golden image was forgotten. The attention of that great crowd centered upon the three young men from Jerusalem three captives who had dared disobey the command of the great Nebuchadnezzar. I hope that you've indeed enjoyed that story from the Bible in Living Sound. Remember to send us your views, comments, or questions about this program. Write to the producer, Adventist Hall Radio, PO Box 4276, code 00100, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us listen to Koilel Choir with the song, I Will Say.
is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Hope that you're enjoying the show from wherever you are. It is now time for the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Brother Ian. Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to our study today. The topic of our study is obtaining forgiveness. I am your presenter, Ian Musa. The first step to forgiveness of sin is repentance. But what is repentance? It literally means to feel a godly sorrow for the wrongs we have committed. Such genuine sorrow is only possible when we fully recognize that our only hope rests in the death of Jesus on the cross in our place. Helplessly, we must turn away from self and behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What happens as we watch him bleeding, suffering, and dying on the cross? We realize that he was holy and innocent. You are the guilty ones. We should be hanging there instead of him. We are overwhelmed to realize that he would have submitted to the torture and death for only one soul, even for you or me. Suddenly our eyes fill with tears as we realize that our sins caused his death on the cross. His heart was broken by the crushing weight of sins that had been taken from us. He was voluntarily suffering the punishment we deserved. We are filled with sorrow that we ever committed those very sins that now are taking the life of the Son of God. That sorrow is repentance. We must clearly distinguish between a worldly sorrow and a genuine godly sorrow. Sometimes children say, I'm sorry, when facing punishment for misbehavior but often they are merely regretful that they got caught. This is not true repentance. When I was in high school, one of my teachers was the sports coach. He was a nice enough fellow, but not a very effective communicator. Therefore, it was a treat when a young lady teacher took his place in the middle of the school year. All of us boys were especially delighted because this new teacher was very pretty and not much older than some of us. The second condition of forgiveness is called confession. John wrote, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 That certainly sounds simple enough, yet it is on this point that most people stumble and lose their way. The question most commonly asked is this, How do I know I have been forgiven? There is only one correct answer to that question. We know we are forgiven because God said we would be. Here is where the beautiful element of faith comes into the picture. We have every reason to know that God's word cannot ever fail. Whatever it says will take place. There is built-in self-fulfilling power in every promise of the Bible. Could the man lame from birth stand upon his feet? No, it was impossible. He was carried every day to beg outside the temple in Jerusalem. Yet Peter commanded, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Suppose the man had remained on his pallet and said to Peter, I can't even stand on my feet, much less walk or run. I've been crippled all my life and have no strength in my feet to move off this bed. Do you think he would have been healed? No. He had to accept as a fact that Jesus of Nazareth had strengthened those ankle bones so that he could get up and walk. When he made the effort as though his feet were normal, they were restored to normal. 
according to your faith, so be it unto you. You may not feel forgiven when you ask for it, but the promise is that you are forgiven. So forget about feeling. Believe that it's done because God said it will be. Thank him for it and then act like it's done because it is. Your faith makes it a fact. Someone might say, well, I thought Christians got happy feelings as a result of accepting Jesus. Let me assure you that feeling will follow as a result of your faith and forgiveness. But always remember that faith must come before feeling. Paul had it right when he wrote, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 Just imagine for a moment that feeling came before faith in forgiveness. In that case, you will be a peaceful, joyful and believer and there is no such creature as that. By the way, what is the real secret behind the confession process? Why do we need to tell God about our mistakes and sins? Doesn't he already know without my recounting them to him? Of course. It is true that we do not inform God about anything he doesn't know already. Our confession does not change him either. It changes us. Ask anyone who has been courageous enough to ask forgiveness. You can probably remember having to make something right with an individual in the past. Perhaps you had repented some exaggerated rumor about the person and he found out that you were responsible. Even though it was hard, you gathered up your courage and stammered out your apology. What happened immediately? You felt as though a great weight had rolled off your shoulders. Tremendous relief flooded your soul. Yet, you told that person nothing that he did not know before. He was already fully aware of your words that brought him so much pain. You needed that confession more than he did. The third condition to having our sins forgiven is restitution. This long word simply means that we make every effort to correct the things we have done wrong. Of course, we recognize that it is never possible to reach into their past and rectify every wrong, every lie, and every dishonest act. In the first place, we can't even remember all the times you were guilty of those things. It will probably drive a person insane to feel the responsibility for such an impossible demand. Nevertheless, the Spirit probes our consciences and reminds us of the matters that can be made right. If something has been stolen, it certainly should be restored. If lies have been told which damaged someone's reputation, we can apologize and tell the truth in order to remove any stigma on that person's character. Sometimes prison might be a possible consequence if crimes of theft or robbery have been committed. But it is very important to arrange repayment whenever the possibility exists. In cases where restitution is not possible, the repentant one can safely trust the cleansing merits of Christ's blood to provide pardon and restoration. Is it difficult to confront and correct our past sins? Indeed, it is probably the most excruciating part of the redemptive process. This may explain why so many have convinced themselves that it is not a biblical requirement. But might it not also provide a partial explanation as to why spiritual renewal has been so elusive in the modern church? Many believe that a tremendous revival will sweep the Christian churches if every member made genuine restitution to those they have wronged. Meeting the three conditions of repentance, confession, and restitution brings assurance that the longest steps has been taken in becoming a true Christian. Their sins are now forgiven and can no longer crush the conscience with guilt. Here is where I encountered the real answer to the question about the transfer of sin onto the divine substitute. 
when we reach out in faith, believing that he truly has taken our place on the cross, a very marvelous transaction is consummated. The death penalty that rested upon us is instantly removed from us and placed on Jesus. It is exactly as though we were with him on the cross, suffering the required sentence, and yet we were only there by faith. He experienced the pain and punishment for us, but because we confess him as our Savior, actually treats us as though we ourselves had died and paid the penalty for our own guilty acts. Friends, forgiveness is only found in Jesus Christ, and it is available to whoever that believes and confesses that Jesus is Lord. Our probation is still open, and Christ is still interceding for you and me. Therefore, let us approach this throne of grace boldly. Amen. I was your presenter, Ian Muse, and do have a good time. We have come to the end of our show for today. Please send us reviews, comments, or questions about the program by writing to the producer, Adventist All Radio, PO Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through Nairobi at ek.adventist.org. I've been a host, friend, and presenter, Samuel Mang. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed. Oh, no.